Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. So we're just going to go ahead and get started. Um, you know, and I, I chose those songs for praise and worship very intentionally. And they actually preached most of the sermon today. We're going to talk about true worship as we continue on in this series of the um, Holy Habits of Fire. Um, so PD started it off and kicked off the year with it by explaining to us what we we're going to be talking about. And then the ministers are all following suit with specific aspects of, of these holy disciplines that we all should be cultivating each day as we work out our salvation. So Mom Jackie started out with prayer. Um, she asked us, "Are you? Um, how are you praying? And then Minister David let us know that we were saved to serve. Was it, David, that was truly probably the greatest message I've ever heard you preach. Not that the other ones weren't as good, but it's just that one was so good. Um, and then Minister Frank, of course, came with you know, a generous generation, Jewish generation sermon at the fish fry. So, <laughs> Lord, can you fry mine hard, please? Amen. <laughs> can I have some hot sauce? But I'll pass on the bread because I'm doing low carb. Amen. Okay. So, we talked about prayer. We talked about service. We talked about generosity. And each of those are an aspect of what I'm going to talk about today, which is worship. So, if you can go with me in your Bibles to John chapter 4 verse 23 and 4 and I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation and then as you're going back there you might as well um, start uh, get us put your finger in Romans 12 because we're going to go there after that but first we're going to go to John 4 verse 23 you got it say I got it, I got it. okay good so um, New Living Translation says this but the time is coming indeed it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Somebody say, in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. Amen. Then we're going to um, go ahead and where your finger is stuck at Romans 12. Let's go over there where it says this, the first two verses. New Living Translation says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Amen. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his holy word. So we're talking about true worship. Those scriptures say a mouthful in just those four verses. You know, in John 4, we are coming into those two verses where Jesus met the woman um, at the well. And um, how many of the, those are not familiar with the story? Everybody know what I'm talking about when I talk about the woman at the well? So she was engaging in a conversation with Jesus about worship. And there were a couple things that were a little bit off. I mean, you imagine it this way. Imagine you were at the grocery store in your, your unsaved before Christ self or kind of barely first saved, not knowing anything self, and you run into PD. 
and you telling him all about how to run a church or something similar. Or let's even take it out of the context of a church. But let's say that, um, you know, before he passed away, you ran into Steve Jobs at the airport and you telling him all about how <laughs> to make phones and, and all the things that he was an expert and a genius in. Um, similar, but not really the same. This woman was coming to the Lord, talking to him about how to worship him, basically, right? So um, the thing to note about the, the context here is that the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. And the woman at the well, was she was the Samaritan woman at the well. She was a, he was in Samaria. The well was in Samaria. So a, a few things there. Jesus was radical because really any other Jew wouldn't have been around Samaritans. But that's another awesome message for another time. But Jesus highlighted to her when she started talking about, well, you, you Jews say that we, you, we worship here. But, you know, we say we, we worship there. And, you know, the, the Messiah is coming. He's going to tell us these things. And he's like, you know what? I'm him, first of all. I'm the one you're talking about. But two, worship isn't about the place where you do it. It's not going to be about that anymore. He says spirit and truth. So that word spirit in the Greek is a word that many of us know, um, have heard maybe because, um, you know, we, we have been connected to a church that has a wonderful ministry school called Numa Life. Spirit means Numa, the, the, the word Numa in Greek is what's translated as spirit here. And I just want to define what pneuma means, spirit. The vital principle, and this is from um, the Strong's Concordance or some tool, lexicon I was looking at, I can tell you later. <laughs> but pneuma, the definition of it in this context is the vital principle by which the body is animated or the ones I like most follow, the rational spirit, the power by which the human feels thinks and decides the soul so it's what you do what you say what you think and what you feel that's how you worship him in spirit or that's the spirit from which you worship him is from what you do and say and think and feel it's the essence of you it's your soul is you is you living your life so i love that song that we um were singing toward the end um coming back to the heart of worship and, and, and because it's not about a song. We're not called to bring a song. He requires more than a song. He's requiring the very way we do life. So when we're talking about holy habits of fire, worship is the habit of the believer, of the true believer, of the true worshiper. So I want to move on to what we read in verse 1 of Romans 12 about being a holy living sacrifice. So when I read Romans 12 or anything that I read and I see sacrifice, and Dave was all up in it in his message week before last. I'm like, you're preaching my message, brother. You know, a sacrifice in the Hebrew sense and in the sense of any um, religious group that indulges in sacrifice is taking an offering, a living thing, you know, in, in the old way, an animal, um, and putting it on the altar and burning it up to a crisp, to a powder, to gone. Okay, so that's a sacrifice. So when you're thinking about a living sacrifice, that's kind of like, you know, it's comparing, what, what is it, oxymoron, juxtaposition, English folks, y'all know what I'm saying, or maybe I'm saying it wrong, but you're comparing two things that are totally different. How are you a living sacrifice? But, when I, but I focus on sacrifice and I think about Genesis 4 and Cain and Abel. Because 
in verse one, he says, you know, it's holy and acceptable. So I start thinking about, okay, the, the example we have of an acceptable and unacceptable sacrifice or offering is in Genesis four. And, you know, and, and as a young Christian, I always like wrestled with that. Like, why was Cain's gift so bad? He gave what he had, you know, and of course, as I've come to know the Lord more and to, and to learn and, and develop these spiritual disciplines and holy habits myself, I know better now. But Cain offered an unholy, unacceptable sacrifice. Abel offered a wholly acceptable sacrifice. And the reason that Cain's was unacceptable and Abel's was acceptable was because of the spirit in which it was given. Abel gave, he, 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 he was intentional, it was what he did, it was what he said, if you know, there was, you know, we don't know exactly what they said when they offered it. But how he thought about it, how he felt about it, he came with the right spirit. And we know that Cain didn't come with the right spirit because of his actions following. One, he felt entitled. That's not the right spirit. It's one thing if you if you come in the right spirit, first of all, just to break it down, it, it, there's nothing to talk about. It's acceptable. God receives it as your worship. But when you, if you're not coming in the right spirit, of course you're going to respond with entitlement when what you bring half, you know, half-heartedly and unintentionally is not accepted. You know, that immature, you know, still wicked response is, well, wait a minute, you know, I'm mad. And then not only do you get mad at God, but you get mad at your brother who did it right. So he was coming in the wrong spirit, and we know that because of what manifested after he brought his offering. So your spirit is what makes you acceptable or unacceptable as a living sacrifice. What makes an offering acceptable? We can look at some other scriptures about this. When we talk about how you feel, according to where does it say that at? 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, God loves a cheerful giver. It's how you feel when you're doing it. It's how you come when you're doing it. It's the right spirit. The wrong spirit is to give grudgingly. God doesn't like that. Well, give me a scripture for what you think and how that's acceptable to God. Well, so glad you asked. Joshua 1 8, Psalm 19.4. Joshua 1 8, we know that um, God is saying you can make the word there is saying that you can make your way prosperous, you know, meditating on the word of God. That's a good meditation. That's an acceptable meditation. That's the right thing to think about. We could even go to Philippians 4 if we want to think about the right way to think. Um, Psalm 19.4 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable. So God is looking, he's, the way we think, if you're thinking about worship as the way you think, it's having acceptable meditations, intentional thoughts that are good. That's what's acceptable, worship. And what you decide, the choices you make, are you making holy choices, choosing life over death, making good holy choices according to Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20. You know, therefore, you, let's go there because that's a really good one to look at. We don't see it and read it as often because it's in the Old Testament 1. It's in Deuteronomy way in chapter 30. And it's referenced in other scriptures. But this is where they're getting this from. Verse 19 says this. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. This is the New Living Translation. It continues in verse 19. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Verse 20, you can make this choice by loving the Lord your God 
obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land. The Lord swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Your, your access to generational blessing depends on the choices you make. Amen. And when you get rerouted into generational curses, it's because of the choices you make. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Don't get me started back there, um, Jess, because you know how you do me. That's why I stay away from you. You be activating me. <laughs> Holy Spirit, activate. Okay, sorry. So, listen. It's about the right spirit. It's not about the song you sing. It's not about, oh, I'm on YouTube and I'm playing this while some worship music. And I'm at a Maverick City concert and, oh, we see Jesus. And, you know, um, you're a fire. Your favorite song, the refiner. <laughs> I want to be consumed. Do you really, though? Do you really, though? Consume that wrong spirit. Let him consume that. Let him consume that. In Genesis 22 is another passage that I think about when I think about sacrifices. Because Isaac and Abraham both had the right spirit. How do you say that, Courtney? How do you know that? So glad you asked. Now, I'm not going to make you go there. We're just going to talk about. So, just one moment. Whew. Had to get a little, little breather there. A little hydrating effect on the wounds. God is my healer. Amen. Amen. All right. So, in Genesis 22, we know, those of us who know Bible, and if you don't, I'll just give you the quick version, and then you can check out Genesis 22 on your own time. But basically, God asked Abraham to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. And it sounds similar, even if you don't know the story, but you know that God gave his only son, Jesus. So it's it's a foreshadowing of what the Lord was going to do for all of us, right? But first, Abraham had to do it or had to be tested. And we know Abraham is the father of faith. That's what, we, that's what the Bible calls him. That's what we, we know him to be. So he was taking his son up on a mountain as if he were a lamb or a sheep or a goat or whatever to tie him up and lay him on an altar and set him on fire. So it's some things to think about here. Well, okay, well, how is the, in the world is that the right spirit? <laughs> well, one, he obeyed God. But there's some things to call out and really think through here. Because scholars say that Isaac was anywhere from 18 to 37 years old when this happened. When we see depictions of it and we hear, oh, he took the lad. That's the word that's translated lad doesn't necessarily mean young. But to us, we're thinking lad means a little boy. Isaac wasn't a little boy at this time. He was at least a young adult, maybe even going into like straight up to going to a middle-aged adulthood, which means that Abraham was a ripe old 118 up to 137 years old because he was 100 years older than his son. So we need to think about the spirit displayed by both of them. Abraham leaving his people that were going to help him because he didn't want them to know what was going on because they couldn't handle that. You're going to kill your son. You're going to sacrifice your son. He, could, he said, you know what? Me and the boy are going to go by ourselves. He's 118 years old. Jacopo just turned 18. Jacopo 
is um, one of our um, students that we're hosting, and um, Louise here. We're so glad to have him. He just turned 18 on Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah, happy belated birthday to him. He's 18, and if I try to take him up a mountain, he can take me down. Imagine if I was 118. Isaac knew what was going on. He's grown with good sense. Something's not right. This is different. I might be in trouble, but I'm going to submit because this is my father. He had the right spirit. And the scripture goes on to talk about how Abraham tied him up and laid him down. You're not going to tie up a kicking 18-year-old boy who plays baseball and will one day play, you know, college baseball and, you know, who could take his batting arm and just move me out the way and say, oh, no, 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 you ain't tying me up. He submitted to his father. And the thing that that brings up for me is I think about Isaiah 53 when the scripture says that Jesus opened not his mouth. The one who had all power of heaven and earth available to him facing the crucifixion. And he didn't say or do anything that he could have. He could have called down angels, but he did nothing. He let it happen because he knew the bigger picture. So I'm submitting to you that Isaac knew the bigger picture. He had the right spirit. Even if he didn't know what was going on, he submitted because it was the right thing to do. Even to the point of death, faced with uncertainty in this strange situation that did not seem like anything he'd ever seen before, he knew not to kick his father in the face. His 118-year-old father, who probably needed help lifting him. I can imagine Isaac just presenting his own body. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. He presented he presented himself. He had he had to be an accomplice in that act. Amen. Yeah. And we know Abraham right had the right spirit because he worshiped in truth, in the truth of God's command, character, according to his faith. He did what God said. He didn't prefer his child of promise over the God of all creation. So they both in their The way that they both participated in this act, both Abraham and Isaac demonstrated worship in spirit and in truth. They had the right spirit. And then of course, when we think about sacrifices, I mean, Jesus is the perfect one. He's the best example that we could ever have, really, of what it means to be a living sacrifice. He came here to die. He came here to serve. He was the servant king. You know, he became poor that we might become rich. So y'all little religious, you know, I know y'all, everybody here should be on a trajectory toward, you know, the, the understanding that God has, it's, it's okay for us to have some things and be rich and have some money. So those of you with your little religious self, if you got kind of kicked in the gear during that song, y'all know what I'm going to at. That song, it said, I'm poor. <laughs> I could hear my husband like, wait a minute. I'm poor. Did you do that? <laughs> the lyric, yeah, you did. That, that lyric, and um, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Jesus became poor, not because he didn't have means, but because he left the throne of heaven. So when, it, when, it, when we compare ourselves to the, the Lord, yes, we are poor, but we're not poor in the earth. Amen. Okay, just wanted to um, highlight that. But Jesus left all of heaven, left all of creation, left the right hand of the Father. And we know he was there before, you know, from the foundation of the world, right? He came down from all glory to come down here. That's living. He lived sacrifice for 33 years. 
And incidentally, so Isaac and Abraham and all of that happened at Moriah. That's where they went to worship. Jesus was crucified at Moriah. That's what scholars believe. So not only did that foreshadowing depict what was going to happen, but it also happened in the same place, which is amazing. But anyway, we, um, I digress. Let me get back on topic. Jesus had the perfect spirit walking in full authority. In his full authority, at the time that he laid his life down, he was 33 years old, having been called into the priesthood at the age of 30, according to the Jewish tradition or the Hebrew tradition. And, you know, he, God called him, God himself called him. You know, he began his ministry. Or really, if you want to think about it, his mama called him at the wedding because she said, whatever he says, you do it. And, you know, he turned water into wine. And, you know, we know that part of history, those of us who know the Bible. But he was in the prime of his life when he laid his life down. And all of his youth, everything that he did, the way that he lived pointed to the purpose for why he came. He was the perfect example of a living sacrifice. Not because of his, you know, him being in his prime and having a youthful body, but because of the soul, the pneuma, the spirit that he had. The pneuma, his pneuma was perfect. So if we're going to be living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, we have to follow his example and his word. Being alive to God but dead to sin. This oxymoron of being a living sacrifice. And then, Jesus didn't just die, he rose. So I'm here to blow your mind with this statement. I was doing this lesson and going through this, and I heard this so clearly. To be a living sacrifice is also to be a living resurrection. Oh, amen. 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 It's also, well, well, that means the same thing, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Check your Merriam-Webster mm -hmm. and your Strong's. <laughs> because living and resurrection really aren't synonymous. Yeah. They're relative to yes. each other. Yes. But when you resurrect, you raise from the dead. Yeah. And it usually connotes a one-time thing. But to be a living resurrection... Is to keep rising every day, yes, every moment. Good. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. We are living sacrifices yes. and living resurrections. Yes. Amen. You can come back from anything. Yes. How about our society? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. You can be better every day. You can keep conforming to the image of Christ every day. That that happened yesterday is over now. It's this day and this time. Don't get caught up in your mistakes or your failures. Don't get caught up in, well, Lord, I haven't been serving you and I did this. No condemnation. Move forward and be the living resurrection. Move forward and be the living sacrifice that God called you to be. Follow the example of Jesus. Go your way and sin no more. Whatever it is. I don't know who. I'm talking to somebody in this room. I don't know who I'm talking to. I've been talking to you since I came here today. Since I got up on the stage. There's a word for somebody today. Get up out of that mess and move on. Move on. It's a new day. It's a new time. It's a new season. Be a living sacrifice. Be a living resurrection. And forget about what happened yesterday. Do right today. Choose life today. Walk in life today. Walk in your generational blessing today. Amen. The Amen. curse is broken. So how can you think about this being a living sacrifice and being a living resurrection? 
how we think about this. Well, the only way that we can think about this and understand it is to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So that's why verse 2 comes in strong with that. He's like, okay, you got to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. But then Paul says, but you can't be conformed to this world. You're not going to be acceptable if you're conformed to this world. It's not going to be pleasing to God if you come to him with an offering of yourself that is conformed to this word and not to his image. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Remember, when we think about Numa as spirit, your mind is part of Numa. Be transformed in your Numa. Be transformed in your Numa. As you change, as you transform, who and what and how you worship also changes. So you don't have to worry about yesterday or the day before, or the years before, or you know, your, you know, the things, whatever. You, you keep going. You keep being renewed when your mind changes. Keep, keep, keep yourself in the Word of God. That's your living sacrifice. That's living sacrifice. Be committed to the transformation God wants to work in you. That's being a living sacrifice. Because to do that wholeheartedly means to leave out a whole lot of other things that this world has to offer. It means making decisions differently. It means getting other jobs. It means getting other friends. It means going other places. It means leaving some people behind. So the other thing I want to point out, we haven't read this yet, so we need to go back here um, before we get into our points. And I promise you, I'm about to close. This is a whole lot of meat for a little you know, 20 minutes a bit up here. All right. Um, I want to go back. So we read verses 1 and 2. I want to go back to Romans 12. And let's look at verses 3 through 21. We're not going to read all of it, but... In your time when you go home, definitely read through the whole of Romans 12. But I want to highlight this. Verse 3 in the New Living Translation says this. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Notice it didn't say by the faith God has given you. It says, this is talking about common faith right here. Judge yourself, evaluate yourself, not by who you think you are and what you think you know, but by the faith. By the faith, by belief in Christ. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. Okay, so he went from verse 1 saying, hey, present your body. Now he's saying, Judge yourself by the whole, the faith of the whole body. Now he's talking about the whole collective. He went from the individual to the collective. So why is that important? Let's keep reading and I'm going to tell you why. Verse 5. So is it with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Verse 6. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, Speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. 
if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take responsibility seriously. I, I got to stop right here. So many people want titles, whether yes. it's in church or out of church. Yes. But you got to take seriously the responsibility. Yes. And it's not just about leadership. Whatever it is that you have been gifted to do, you have a responsibility to do it, to cultivate it and do it right and do it well and be accurate, be excellent. Amen. That's part of working out your salvation. Yeah. You know, so many people come and say, well, I don't know what my gift is. And I, I, I want to know what love is. I'm sorry. <laughs> Musical Tourette's. But, you know, I want you to show me. No, that's not my job. You work out your own salvation. We are here for you. We will develop you. And I love David's message. You got to go back and reference that. In fact, when the series is over, you should really reference every message. Because all, they all tie together, but they all tie back to worship as a daily discipline. Because part of being disciplined in the Lord, the reason why we're after you guys, read your word. The reason we're after you come to church, the reason we're after you be a part of this body is because we're all connected. But also because we're trying to give you the tools to work out your salvation so you can take care of your responsibilities. Amen. Your calling is your responsibility. Amen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amen. Come on, amen. Come on. Yes, God be the glory. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So in verse 9, I, I, I don't mean to read the whole thing to you, but it's just it's, it's important and significant. Verse 9, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Mm -hmm. People pretend to love. Yes, yep. And it starts early. We have to really teach our children from an early age because... You know, people say, well, babies are so innocent. And that yeah. is true to a degree. But we are born in iniquity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we have an entitlement thing from an early age. Mm -hmm. The younger you are, the more selfish and self-centered you are. Mm -hmm. Part of it is a, pro a protective mechanism, I believe, because, you know, you can't take care of anybody else, not even yourself when you're young. So you do need to think about what you're doing and think about what's good for you. And, you know, as a baby begins to speak, they let you know, I want my juice. I hear that all day long. <laughs> I can do my juice. Okay, you don't <laughs> cut him back to one cup a day anyway. <laughs> but what happens in youth, and I've been here, we got some teenagers in the house. I know you, you know, you're still kind of there and developing from it. But even as we engage in relationships, we just want friends. You know, young people, and it's good. Kids want friends. They want yeah. friends. But a lot of that has to do with what they want and need, not about loving the people yeah. that they connect with. As kids start to get older and date, you know, a guy may say, oh, I love you. But it's really about what you want out of that. A young girl like, oh, I want. It's what you want, even up until adult age. Because some of us really, you know, we're just big kids. We're all maturing at different levels, even within ourselves. Different levels of maturity, even within ourselves. And a lot of times... Being in relationship with another person is really about what we need and not what that person needs. You're pretending to love. You might have your heart in the right part, in the right place. You really want to love, but you're still pretending because you don't know what love is. It's about what you want for yourself. It's about your, your motivation and your intentions more than actually loving that person. So we got to really work with that. And, it's, you know, it's not anything that happens overnight. All of us need to really, you know, work on that because that's what this exhortation is. Don't just pretend to love others. Don't do it because a lot of people do that. But really walk in love. Really walk in love with people. Really love people. Really love them. Be genuine. Have genuine affection. Verse 10 says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. 
And it goes on. Um, I, I'm going to go back because I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit because the points will tease some, the rest of this out. But this is what I want to point out. Worship is vertical, but it's carried out horizontally. Worship to God is vertical, and there is an aspect that is carried out vertically. But it is carried out horizontally because to walk in love with your brother and sister is to be a living sacrifice. How is that? Because you have to love people and love them for real, even if you're not receiving that love. See, we grow up in our condi or unconditioned the opposite way. Being in relationship with people is about what we need from it. But see, when you're a living sacrifice, it's right to love people regardless. Yeah. Now, God is, is, you know, God is not mocked, and, and his system is simple. What you reap, you sow. What you sow, you reap. So if you sow love, you're going to get love back. But it's not always from the same person or the same situation or in the same moment or the same season. And that means you have to live living sacrifice, living resurrection. You got to come back from the rejection and resurrect from the rejection and still love people. You got to come back from this place of, well, maybe I'm not getting my needs met. Beloved, you will get the reciprocity, trust me. But you still got to love whether you do or you don't get it back. That's a living sacrifice. And how in the world is this tied to worship? I thought you were preaching about worship, Courtney. Worship leader, Courtney. I can show you how to worship. I can show you how to lift your hands. I can give you the commands. You guys do it like training seals every Sunday. I, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I should, it's not, that's not true. No, but like, there is there is an act of worship, but we all get that part. We got enough YouTube videos. We got enough anointed um, teachers and, and singers and, and songwriters to where we get the idea of what we're supposed to do when we worship. We all know the scripture. So if we don't, I can have a resource for you put on um, the, the new web, newer website when it's coming in a year or two, David. <laughs> but like, yeah, you all set with that. You know, lift your hair and sing the song, whatever. You know that. But let's go to Matthew 5.24 so I can really show you. Matthew 5.24 says this. This is in the context of worship. It says, well, actually we need to go to 5.23 a little earlier. We can raise up to 5.23. 5.23, get a little context. It says, thank you, David. It says this. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and, and you suddenly remember that someone else has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Let me read that again. So yeah. this is the New Living Translation. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar, so if you're a living sacrifice on your altar every day before the Lord in this dispensation, and you remember in your everyday life, every because worship is a daily habit, right? Yeah. There's somebody else. Now, I'm not even talking about what you have against somebody else. That's something. That's another thing you have to work out in another sermon, another point. I might have it here for you. But I'm talking about you to remember somebody has something against you. Maybe they didn't tell you, maybe they didn't. But you know something's there. Whatever, you know, one, the one translation that I know by heart is if you have ought. That means that there's a situation. I submit to you, it doesn't matter really who has it. If there's something between you and somebody else, 
You're not really worshiping daily. So you take care of that. Because God, well, you might be worshiping, but it's not acceptable. Our relationships, our horizontal working out of salvation is part of our worship to God. Because he saved us to himself, but also to one another in community. You know, people talk about the cross reaching up and reaching out. I don't really know if God set it up that way because, you know, they, some people say the cross is an X and all of that. But I'm not going to go in there and twist everybody's minds up. It's a great illustration. Whatever, he died. Point blank, he died. However he died. But the bottom line is we're saved to him and to each other, one another. So you're saved to serve, Dave, and you're saved one to another. That's your reasonable worship. That's your living sacrifice. So we're, gonna, we're, we're getting ready to close. I'm going to give you four points and some applications, and then we're out of here. So my first point is this. and we, These are things we've already talked about. First point is this. God is spirit. I think they're reverse, Dave, because I, I gave them to you in the wrong order. So number two should be number one. God is spirit and must be worshiped. In spirit and truth. That's your first point. God is spirit and must be worshipped in spirit and truth. You got to have the right pneuma, the right soul, the right posture. Literally, also, that truth part means you need to know what you're doing and you need to know what's required to be acceptable. How are you going to be acceptable with God if you don't know what you're doing? You're just haphazardly, aimlessly trying to please God. We know that without faith, it's impossible to please them, so start there. But you need to know what you're doing. So the truth. The reason the woman, the Samaritan woman, could not worship in truth is because she didn't have it right. And then she came with her lies and half-truth to the, the Savior. So know what you're doing. Know the truth. Know who God is and what he's done for you and what he requires of you. So God is spirit and must be worshipped in spirit and in truth. That's the first point. Number two. When we truly understand who God is and what he's done for us, we respond with true worship. The ability to worship according to Romans 12 comes from understanding of Romans 1 through 11 and most immediately chapter 11. Because chapter 11 is talking about the mercy of God to the, Gentile, I mean, to the Jews first and to the Gentiles and the mystery of all of that. We got to understand what he did for us and who he is. As God, I mean, sorry, as Jesus told the Samaritan woman at the well, salvation comes from the Jews. But it's not about a mountain or a territory. It's about spiritual true worship. True worship requires a change of mind and heart, transformed mind, transformed, uh, your, uh, the, being transformed by a renewal of your mind. And true worship is not about where you go, but what you present, your body. True worship is about presenting yourself as the sacrifice, presenting your person as the sacrifice, having the right spirit within that body. Number three, true worship is to be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So guess what? We are to present our bodies. Well, how do we present our bodies? Come to church. Come to church. Come to church. Folks want to do it, and I mean, this is nothing new because, you know, a poet, I used to be an English major back in the day before I switched to journalism and had this weird trajectory to what I'm doing now. We can talk about that later. 
um, career. That's my career outside of church. But Emily Dickinson kept the Sabbath at home. She wrote a whole poem about it. Emily Dickinson, yeah. poet in the 1800s. Yeah. Woman. Yeah. Talk about she keep the Sabbath at home. The devil's a liar. You ain't keeping nothing but yourself and your self-interest and your selfish intention. Why is it such a chore, an ordeal for certain people to come to church? I don't know. I think sometimes there's some other things Ooh. attached to that. Pray for people. But really, at the end of the day, it's, it, it's a, it comes from a few places. Laziness. It might be laziness. It might be a lack of prioritization. It might be a lack of boundaries. But you're called to present your body. When God called Abraham to present Isaac, his the, that body, because and we're talking about him presenting Isaac and not himself because that was his sacrifice, right? But let's think, just like God is calling, calling us to present ourselves as living sacrifices, he called Abraham to present Isaac. And he did not, like we said, he did not say, hey, well, that's my son and you gave him. He did not throw up a boundary at God. People throw up boundaries at God all the time. They think, oh, and you know what? You should have boundaries. A lot of us don't have enough boundaries. But those of us who do have boundaries, we put them up everywhere except around this space where God is supposed to be. Put some boundaries up around your sanctification. Put some boundaries up around your worship. Put some boundaries up around your walk with Christ. Put some boundaries up around your faith. Nothing else can go on right here because this is reserved for God. This is a boundary. I would love to come. However, I can't. For a variety of reasons. I don't need to share it with you. Either I don't need to be over there or it's not the right day. That's the day of the Lord. That time of the day I will be in church. It's not popular. I know it's not. But you still, and look, everybody can't be here all the time. Lord knows I've taken a few, more than a few days recently because things come up, they do. But I'm talking about making church a priority, a true priority. Amen. And you can talk to yourself about all the reasons why and justify, well, I'm because this and this and that. That's between you and God. Only you know the truth. You don't have to justify anything to me. Mm-hmm. But what I'm telling you is throw up your boundaries in the right places. Yeah. What really is happening today is that people are throwing up boundaries around yeah. their world and their flesh and being conformed to the world. Mm-hmm. Their boundary, they're, I'm putting a boundary right here so that I can keep doing me. That's what I want. That's right. Beloved, if that's what you want, mm-hmm. you need your mind renewed. Yes, yes. And you might not really be in Christ. You might be backslidden. Yeah. Yep, yep. If all of this is too hard for you, yeah. if all of this is just, I don't want it, I don't desire it, it's fine if you don't, but be honest. Yeah. Yep. You're not walking with God. Amen. 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 Yes, indeed. Come on now. It's the glory to God. So we're called to present our bodies at church. We're called to present every moment of the day present ourselves to God as a sacrifice so you don't just walk around being a sacrifice it's not existential in that because you exist as a believer that you're a sacrifice but it's presenting yourself it's putting yourself on the altar and setting ablaze whatever it is that is required so that God can have all of you so instead of being consumed by fire, living sacrifices, ourselves are totally consumed by God and set apart for him, his service, his purpose. It's a continual laying down of self. That's true worship. And a living sacrifice submits to God, is alive to God, but dead to the other things of this world. That's point three and all this supports. And the last point is this. True worship is vertical and horizontal. And we talked about this. One thing I want to highlight 
is we see a great example of this vertical and horizontal in Genesis 4. Because Cain was coming at God with the wrong spirit, then he came at his brother with the wrong spirit. So we see the exact opposite of what God is wanting us to do in terms of being living sacrifices for his service and his glory and to be saved to one another. You know, do the opposite of what Cain did. Bring the right sacrifice in the right spirit and do right by your brothers and sisters. It's vertical and horizontal. It goes this way and it goes out here to all of you. So this is the application and then we're going to be done. Can you believe you're going to be walking out of here at 1130? Then you get fed real well, and I know you got to go. We drove separately. He got someplace to go. That's fine. All right. <laughs> These are the five ways to worship in spirit and truth each day. Be humble. Be humble. Don't be a know-it-all. I can't stand a know-it-all. I can't stand it. You don't know nothing. Be honest and measure yourself by our faith. Measure yourself by our, the common faith. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. I can't say it enough. Be humble. Walk in true love. Walk in true love. Don't be pretending to love people because of what you need from them. Love people for real. Honor people for real. You know what? We're a part of a whole body of believers. It's vertical, but it's carried out horizontally. We all said that. How are you going to do that? Walk in true love. Live in harmony with each other. Show hospitality to one another. Mm -hmm. Value the gifts in your brothers and sisters, what they bring to the table, and stop coveting their gifts. Amen. Be happy when somebody else has succeeded. Yeah. Your turn will come. Yeah. Shut your mind up yeah. when you start to get to thinking, well, what about me? Bump you. It's not your time. Trust God. He's going to do it for you, too. He's got to respect your curses. Right now is the time to rejoice with your brother and your sister. Amen. Amen. Number three, offer your gift. Do your part and don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. Don't be a not coming to church, not doing nothing when you get to church Christian. Do your part. Offer your gift. If you don't know what your gift is, you better get with God. That, you need to get your daily habits together, these holy habits of fire, and find out who you are in God and what he has you here for. And if you don't have a clear answer, it's just as simple as, Pastor, what do you need today? Take it day by day. Take it moment by moment. Email me. Text me. See what I need. See what your brothers and sisters need. Hold, stand in the gap for somebody. Don't just be that way. I guess we ain't. Oh, you know, and I'm going to just say this because, ladies, y'all know, I love y'all and we're bringing the women's prayer call back. Don't get on that call and not say nothing. Don't even dial in if you don't have anything to offer. I'm tired of praying by myself. You better take me off mute. You better put that baby down. You better go get your coffee before the prayer call starts. I'm tired of it. Stop being lazy and get your prayers on my back. No, I said it. I said what I said. I said what I said. Y'all know I'm right about it. And I know, look, I done been brewing my coffee too. I done been walking the dog too. I understand. I'm glad to have you however you come. I'm just saying throw a boundary up around the prayer call. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Don't leave me out there by myself. Don't leave whoever's leading the prayer call out there. Don't leave me up here worshiping by myself. Don't leave PD out here doing stuff by himself. Don't leave David cleaning this church and trying to do everything and be everything by himself. Stop talking at the church. Get your butt up and get a broom. Do something. Get a piece of paper towel and wipe the door. It's COVID-19. We just recovered from COVID. Hallelujah. Free. Amen. Free heal. Get a wipe and wipe the stair banister. We ain't got to tell you everything. Mm -hmm. Take responsibility for your gift. Yeah. But then do your part when you get 
here. Stop looking at us. Amen. Amen. It's a cookie on the floor. Pick it up. Amen. All right. I'm sorry. I'm not mad at nobody. It's just you get bold when you get up here. Amen. All right. Y'all know I love y'all. I don't mean to fuss. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. I love y'all dearly. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Be patient. I love that song, Wait on You. I'm going to wait on I love that song. When you wait on God, when you're really developing, cultivating a spiritual discipline of waiting on God, it will pour out and trickle into every other facet of your life. Yes. That impatience that you're dealing with, you can't deal with other people. You can't wait. You can't wait for this thing, this deal to go through. You can't wait until they call you back. You're just looking at the phone, looking at it. Then he texts me today. Wait, go somewhere and learn to wait on God. Then you can, then, then you cultivate a lifestyle of patience. Don't be, you, you know what? Because the devil will use that. The devil is going to use that anxiety of always looking and not being able to wait to prevent you from doing other things you could be doing during that time to be productive. You're spending all your time trying to see if the text came, if the email came, if they called. Could check in your voicemail, but you know you didn't get a notification. <laughs> you don't have a message waiting? Let me see if they called. No. Wait. 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 Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my it was at 3, and it's 310, and they ain't calling me back yet. Wait. It's a reason they didn't call you back. Let that doctor take care of what they need to take care of so that you have their full attention when you get back there. It's better that you have their full attention at 3.30 than if you had them at 3 o'clock in your face not even thinking about you. Be patient. Be patient in trouble specifically. Oh, amen. In trouble. That's what the word says. Be patient in trouble, in times of trouble. When is this going to be over? I can't take it no. Stop it. Keep on praying. Yes, amen. Don't complain about the waiting. Amen. Take the time and get to praying. Amen. All right, my appointment's supposed to start at 3. Amen. I got this mask on. Trying to keep the germs away. Nobody can see my lips. I'm just going to pray, Lord. And maybe that sounds super hyper-spiritual. That's, that's all right. If that's what you're thinking, then you go ahead and keep on being impatient. And don't get the blessing. Right. But I know what I'm talking about right here. Learn how to wait. Keep on praying. Keep praying. The manifestation is coming, and it's, it's, it's tied up in your prayer life. Mm, amen. And the last one is this. Conquer evil with good. Stop holding grudges. Love your enemies. You can hate what is wrong, but don't hate the person who might be offending you and doing the wrong thing. Don't hate them. And I'm not talking about... Hate the sin, but not the sin. I'm not even talking about the context of that. I'm talking about how when you just, you know, there's something that's wrong, it's not right, or whatever, and the person is, you know, they're the person who's carrying the wrong, or, you know, they're the one the devil might be using in that moment, whatever the case may be. But hold on to what is good. Hold tightly to what is good about a situation. Why do you need to do that? Believe the best. Don't go into every relationship and every conflict thinking somebody's out for you. And oh, and, and the thing that I want to crucify and nail on the cross right now is I can't be friends with women. Come on, ladies. I'm not at a women's conference, but I just got a word. Uh, stop talking. Stop saying that. <laughs> and y'all dudes, y'all not much, but I don't deal with a certain kind of dude. I don't deal with, you know, expletive, expletive dudes. You shut up. <laughs> That's why you have no friends. Oh my gosh. Well. Be patient with people. Don't curse them. 
Pray that God will bless them. Amen. Don't take revenge. Do things in a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Why? Is it about eye service? No. It's about honoring God. If you got Jesus on your chest everywhere you go and you're treating people wrong, mm. that's not doing anything good for the body. You making me look bad. Now I got a problem with you, but the Bible says I got to pray for you and I can't call you out. Bless you. <laughs> but stop making us look bad. Stop making God look bad. Amen. Do all you can to live in peace with everyone. Because if you do right, Cain, you will be accepted. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you are grace, just, and merciful to us. And we want to thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, you have been keeping us. And Lord, even when we weren't looking for you, you were waiting for us. So we give you glory today. We give you honor. We give thanks for your goodness and your faithfulness, for your the way that you have waited. And Lord, we want to glean from you that same long-suffering, Lord. Let the right spirit be in us. Let the right spirit be in us. Lord, for those of us who have been dealing unrighteously, created us a clean heart and renew a right spirit so that we can worship you in spirit and in truth. For those of us who just were trying to do the right thing but didn't, you know, just didn't even know either way, Lord, help us be more intentional as we worship you day by day. Let it, let it be an intentional cultivation of the daily habit of worship in our lives, living as a sacrifice, laying our all on the altar, giving you all of us, all of our minds, all of our hearts, all of our souls, even presenting our very bodies to you. Set us afire by your holiness. Lord, let us be found on that great day doing your will. Lord, let us live each day as if it were the last in your presence on this side of glory. May we develop every talent and not bury it and leave it in the ground. Lord, may we sow the right seeds. May we say the right things. May we treat each other well and honor one another as you called us to. And Lord, I pray a special prayer for those who are just not sure what it is that you would have for them to do. They're not sure what the gift is that you placed in them. I pray for the spirit of revelation and the knowledge of Christ for that person or those people right now. Make it plain, Lord. Lord, you're able. You said we could ask anything, and you would give it. You said knock and the door will be open. I pray, Father, where those doors are closed to revelation about themselves and what you would have them to do as a, their part in the body. Make it real to them. Lord, we will ever worship you, for you are our God and there is no other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, 
contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.